Thank you for listening to our Love City Church podcast. Visit us online at www.lovecitychurch.ca. We pray that this message encourages you and strengthens you in your walk with Jesus. We've been in this series, and where we've been kind of going together is the first week we talked about uh, hearing God's voice, how to, how to know if I'm hearing God's voice. And then we talked about the living Word of God, about how the Word of God is living and active and how it impacts your, your life. We talked about the tree of life, how we have to choose between the tree of life or the tree of knowledge of good and evil. And when we choose the tree of life, we're ultimately surrendering control to God and saying, God, I trust you that you're in control of my life. And Andrew and Jesse did a great job talking about, uh, about getting our, ourselves in the right spiritual order. And the right spiritual order, as you remember, is we have a spirit that was created by God. Uh, We have a soul. We have a body. And many of us live our lives through our soul, through our mind, through our will, and through our emotions. And we often, even though we've been transformed by Jesus, even though our spirit has been made new, every every person on the planet has a spirit. But as followers of Jesus, our spirit has been transformed. And since our spirit has been made new, we should be led by our spirit being taken direction by the Holy Spirit. So the Holy Spirit speaks to our spirit and our, our soul gets direction from our spirit, not, our, not the other way around. And so we talked about how we have to surrender areas of our life to make sure that our lives are being led by the spirit of God, by the Holy Spirit, not by our mind, will, and emotions. And last week we talked about a really heavy topic and I really encourage you to go back and listen to all of these. We, listened, uh, we talked about the idea of forgiveness. And now one of the first things we do to get our right in our right spiritual order, to get our, ourselves led by our spirit and not our soul, is we actually have to go into our lives and deal with any unforgiveness and bitterness in our lives because unforgiveness and bitterness in your life will, will create a massive barrier between you and your walk with God. I want you to hear me today. You will not be able to have a relation, the relationship that God wants to have with you if you cannot deal with unforgiveness and bitterness in your life. You will not be able to move past that. And so we talked about forgiveness. And if you didn't hear that, please go back and listen to it because I believe there's something on our church to be a church of forgiveness, amen? To assume the best about other people until proven otherwise, to to not carry bitterness in our lives, to be people of forgiveness. And so today we're gonna talk about um, something, uh, talk about our words, how our words matter, and they have incredible power. We're going to look at some verses today, and I'm just going to kind of walk you through a very simple message today just to try to help you understand the life that God wants for you, the abundant life God wants for you in 2020. Come on, turn to the person next to you and say, I want the abundant life. Man, that sounded so sad. It's like... Like Tony Robbins, you know, like I feel like I need to like do some psychological exercises on you to get you. Come on now, turn to your person next to you, look them right in the eyes and say, I want the abundant life. Oh, that was just as bad. You guys suck at this. Woo. All right, I'll say it for you. I want the abundant life. Come on, I want it. I don't want to live stuck and broken and hurting and stuck in my past and stuck in my pain, and stuck in my areas of sin. I want the abundant life. I want to live here, not here, amen? Everyone like this. I want to live here, say yes. Everyone nod your head, yes. Not here, say no. There you go, now we're getting it. Come on, Proverbs 18, 21. I think it's on the screen. Hallelujah, it is. And hopefully you can see it over my big head. The, The tongue can bring death or life. Those who love to talk will reap the consequences. 
So words have the ability of life and death. So here's a verse I thought about when I thought about the idea of life and Jesus. This verse in John chapter 8, it says, the religion, the religion scholars and Pharisees led in a woman who had been caught in the act of adultery. And they, stood, they stood her in plain sight in front of everyone and said, teacher, this woman was caught red-handed in the act of adultery. They walked in on this woman committing adultery. Moses and the law, I mean, imagine a woman, we're bringing in a woman today saying this woman was just caught having, committing adultery. The Bible says we're supposed to stone her. <laughs> what, what do you, look what he says. What do you say? What words are you going to say over this woman? And it says, Jesus bent down and wrote with his finger in the dirt and they kept at him, badgering him. And he straightened up and he said, the sinless one among you go first, throw the stone. Bending down again, he wrote some more in the dirt and Hearing that, they walked away one after the other, beginning with the oldest. The, the woman was left alone, and Jesus stood up and spoke to her. He said words to her. He said, woman, where are they? Does no one condemn you? No one, master. Then this is God speaking. Neither do I. The words of life that Jesus just spoke over this woman, she literally was just caught in the act of adultery. So I don't know how many of you committed adultery last night, but for those of you who, who didn't, you come into this place today full of all sorts of sin in your life, and guess what? The words that Jesus speaks over to you is, I don't condemn you either. He did say, now go and sin no more. <laughs> but he says, when I look at your life and I look what's going on in your life, I want you to know that as far as the east is for the west, so I have remo removed your transgressions from you. I have removed all sin from you. I do not condemn you any longer because you've been covered by the blood of Jesus Christ. Now, I want you to hear me. I'm not condoning or encouraging you to go commit adultery. I think that's a terrible thing. We'll talk about that later this year in a couple of months, actually. But at the end of the day, listen, the idea here is that Jesus spoke love life over people but also the words have the ability of death look at this in james chapter 3 it says this in the same way the tongue is a small thing that makes great spe grand speeches but a tiny spark can set a great forest on fire and among all the parts of the body the tongue is a flame of fire it is a whole world of wickedness corrupting your entire body it can set your whole life on fire for it is set on fire by hell itself. Oh my gosh. <laughs> People can tame all kinds of animals, birds and reptiles and fish, but no one can tame the tongue. It is restless and evil, full of deadly poison. Sometimes it praises our Lord and Father, and sometimes it curses those who've been made in the image of God. And so blessing and cursing come pouring out of the same mouth. Surely, my brothers and sisters, this is not right. We see that the tongue, and this is talking to the Christian church. This isn't talking to people who don't know God. This is talking to people who know God, people who are in the church, people who are followers of Jesus. So listen, it's not okay for us to allow our mouths to some one day be cursing someone and another day to be praising God. And everyone can stand up today and say, yes, I'm going to respond to the altar call right now because every single person in the room struggles with the areas of their tongue. There's a deadly force. But we have to admit something about our lives. Words that have been spoken over you matter. 
Words that have been spoken over you in your life, when you were a young child, when you were in high school, when you were in university, maybe most recently, I want you to know today that words that have been spoken over your life absolutely matter because they actually define the direction of our lives. Remember the old saying, sticks and stones may break my bones, but words will never hurt me. How many of you know that when that person said that or says that to you, how many of you know, oh yeah, the, the, the words don't hurt, do they? When someone mocks you or makes fun of you or, or makes, they don't hurt at all, do they? You just feel just fine, right? There's no st the sting of pain inside, or there's not this sense of like, oh, oh, that hurts so bad. You're okay after someone says terrible things. That's not a true statement. We all know that sticks and stones may break our bones, but words hurt much more. That when words are spoken over your life, whether it was a parent or a girlfriend or uh, an ex or uh, your spouse or someone in your life speaks these words over your life, the truth is you may not want to admit it, man in the room. You might, oh, that didn't bother me. It didn't hurt at all. But in reality, deep in your soul, you have been wounded by that word. You've been wounded and words over you often have power to shape who you are and shape what you do. It's as simple as that. And what we don't realize today is that when you've received certain words, and even though you might not initially believe that word, the truth is this, you might not realize, but your soul is absorbing those words and beginning to shape who you are as a person. And now you realize that you're living your life through the funnel or through the perspective or through the lens of what your dad called you or what your spouse called you or even what the enemy says to your mind. You live your whole world through the lens of these words that have carved out for you a way of thinking and a way of understanding standing in your soul and now you're being led by your wounded soul rather than your redeemed spirit self. Rather than being redeemed and walking in the ways of God, we find often that our greatest heartache and hurts come from what people have said to us. Imagine a young child trying to read and the mom is trying to help this child get it and after days and days and days of the child not get it, the mom finally says, gosh, what's wrong with you? Why can't you just read? She's frustrated because she's trying so hard to get their child to read and she's taking it personally because he can't read and maybe there's something wrong with me and there's all these things mixed into it and now this young child might go on thinking, man, something's wrong with me. Every time I go to read a book, I get the shame or I get guilt or I don't know what that is. It's because sometimes words spoken over us have a greater impact in our life than we even realize. Words like, I hate you. I wish you'd never been born. You've gained weight. Oh, I hate that one. You're fired. You were a mistake. My brother told me that. You'll never amount to anything. You're so lazy. You're stupid. You're selfish. You're a waste. It's all your fault. You never, I never should have married you. I want a divorce. But on the alternative side, when someone speaks words to you like, I love you. You're such a blessing. You look great. Come on, turn to someone next to you and say, you look great. Single people, make sure it's a good one. <laughs> you're hired. You're my best friend. I'm giving you a raise. Come on. Except, yep. Okay, never mind. I, was, I, was, I hope people who work at Love Centers don't think they're getting a raise now. <laughs> you're so smart. You make me happy. You'll do great. You did your best. I forgive you. These types of words have such a different impact on our lives. And what we don't realize often is that maybe even subconsciously you don't understand that the words that were spoken over you have actually designed how you live and act and walk and talk. And so it's important that we understand today that these words have an impact on your life and actually could keep you from discovering the life change God wants for you. There's a man named Elijah. 
mighty man of God, one of the greatest men of God. In fact, he, this guy, and James says he was a man just like us, but he prayed that there would be no rain, and there was no rain for three years. And he's a man just like you and me, but there was something significant about Elijah. Elijah was this mighty man of God. And one day in, in 1 Kings chapter 18, Elijah had this duel with these prophets of Baal. These prophets of Baal didn't believe in Yahweh God, and so he went toe-to-toe -to -toe like a Western. Do -do 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 -do. You know, tell me we going across, and there's this, this, this big uh, sacrifice of bull, and, and, and he says, okay, if you, want, you think Baal is God, bring down a fire from heaven. And so these prophets of Baal are doing all these chants, and they're cutting themselves, and Elijah's just egging them on. Come on, guys, come on, keep going, keep praying. And he keeps egging them on. On and going after him until finally, after all this time, nothing happens. And then Elijah steps up and says, pour more water on it just to prove the point that my God's God. Pour more water. Drench the thing in water. And all of us says, all right, God, prove to these guys you're God. And boom, this fire comes down and licks up the sacrifice. And all the prophets of Baal are crazy. And Elijah pulls out this big sword and goes, ding, 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 takes out all these prophets of Baal. It was the Old Testament, don't worry. Takes out all of these, <laughs> takes out all of these uh, old prophets of Baal. And that day killed 400 prophets of Baal. It was a mighty victory for the kingdom of God and the enemy had been destroyed. It was an incredible feat. God is good. Elijah's a man of God. Yay, man. Amen. And then we turn to 1 Kings 19. Just one chapter over we see in 1 Kings chapter 19, look what it says on the screen. When Ahab got home, he told Jezebel everything. Ahab was the king and Jezebel was his wife who's a little bit of a, a crooked woman. Everything Elijah had done, including the way he had killed all the prophets of Baal. So Jezebel got her computer out, her iPad, and she sent an email to Elijah. All right, subject, you're in trouble. So Jezebel sent this message to Elijah. May the gods strike me and even kill me if by this time tomorrow I have not killed you just as you killed them. Now that's a crazy, terrible email. I get them all the time. <laughs> just kidding. I'm not kidding. I'm just kidding. Elijah's a man of God. Elijah's doing great things for God. Elijah's has this massive feat for God. Elijah's doing great. And then all of a sudden, he wakes up the next morning, he checks his inbox, sees his email, and look what the verse says. Elijah was afraid and fled for his life. Remember, these were just words. No one showed up at his door and kicked down the door and beat up his wife. No one went in and burned his house down. No, these were just words. Elijah was afraid and fled for his life. So now he's got fear. He's running away. He was a man of God. He went to Beersheba, a town in Judah. He left his servant there. And then he went on alone. Now he's isolated. He doesn't want to be around anybody in the wilderness. And he's traveling all day. And he sat down under a solitary broom tree. And he prayed that he might die. I have had enough, Lord. Take my life. For I'm no better than my ancestors who have already died. This is a crazy thing. These words brought him to the place of suicide the place of depression. I don't know how many of you have been here before, but many of you are stuck in a cycle of depression because of words that have been spoken over your life, and you don't even realize today that that word that was, was, was deep-seated into your soul, and now that trauma that you've experienced in your soul, you're experiencing this ongoing depression, and I want you to know today that God can set you free. This mighty man of God is isolated and afraid and alone and depressed to the point where he says, God, I don't want to live anymore. There's another story of a young man named Timothy. And Timothy was uh, this young man whose father was a Greek, non-believing Greek, and his mom was a Jew who came to God. 
And so he was raised by his Jewish mother and grandmother who were mighty women of faith. And someone told Paul that Timothy had given his life to God and that he had a real ministry call in his life. And so Timothy, Paul called Timothy to follow him. And eventually, Timothy became the pastor of Love City Church in the church of Ephesus. And here he is pastoring this church. And Paul comes back to talk to him, recognizing that his mother and his grandmother were women of faith. But if you study this out, you'll see that his Greek father was a domineering, very strong father who spoke down to Timothy. It was kind of the culture for them to be very strict. And he spoke down to Timothy in a way where Timothy received the message about himself in his ministry. And it says in this verse, in 2 Timothy 1.7, it says, for God has not given us a spirit of fear and timidity, but of power, of love, and of self-discipline. So we see here the word spirit is the word pneuma. That is referencing our spirit person, our new, our new man and woman, our, our new person in Christ. And so he says, you have not been given a spirit of fear and timidity, uh, Timothy. There's something in you that says you're afraid and you're timid. Those words actually mean to be fearful, to lack courage, to be have like a, a like a dog with his tail between its legs, somebody who has no confidence in themselves, somebody who has no self-confidence, somebody who has a low self-esteem, somebody who's lacking identity. He looked at him and said, Timothy, this is not who you are. Someone along the way told you, made you fearful by their words, but I want you to know today that you actually have a, a new spirit of power, dunamis, miracle working, agape love, self-discipline, you're actually a mighty man of God. You actually have tons of power in your life. You actually are full of love. You are not what they said that you were. And here's this mighty man of God who's struggling to lead his ministry or a husband struggling to be a father or a wife struggling to be a mother and so forth. They're struggling to be who they are because somewhere along the line, someone told Timothy that, man, you're just, you're just timid and you're just afraid and, man, you're just a coward and, man, you're like a dog with his tail between his legs. Look at you. You'll never amount to anything. And somewhere along the line, Timothy picked up a message that he wasn't a man of power, of love, and self-discipline. We have to understand something that when these words come over our lives, they have a way of impacting our soul and it actually can begin to begin an indicator of what's going on in our heart. So what our words actually begin to reveal our heart. Now listen to me. Your words are a, are a, are a temperature gauge or a spiritual gauge. Your words are a spiritual gauge for how your heart is doing. It's a way to stick a dipstick to test, how's my heart? Well, let's stick a dipstick in and see how are you talking. Because how you talk is a reflection of how surrendered your soul and heart is to God. This verse in Matthew 12, 34, whatever is in your heart determines what you say. How about this one, Luke 6, 45? A good person produces good things from the treasury of a good heart, and an evil person produces evil things from the treasury of an evil heart. What you say flows from what is in your heart. 
And so I, I don't know if you've been around these, these people before, but you get around them and you start talking with them and pretty soon you start hearing, they're talking bad about a person or about a dad or about a pastor or about a friend and they just start, oh, this and this problem and they're angry and they're bitter and they're frustrated and they're upset and they seem a little bit critical and a little bit on edge. You can know that in their heart, there's been a wound in their soul that they don't even realize maybe is even there and they're living their lives out of this wound that possibly came from someone's words. So we live our life from a almost bondage or in a cage trapped within who we know God wants us to be, but who we really feel like we are because out of our mouth is an indicator of what's really going on in our lives. So if you're constantly negative and constantly critical and you're angry at people and you talk bad about others and you, you curse them out or angry at them, I want you to know today the Holy Spirit is speaking to you right now to say we need to surrender your heart to the Lord and let him heal that trauma that happened from people's words words in your life. You'll never be able to go forward in your walk with God until you recognize that the reason you talk like that is because your heart is wounded. Your soul is damaged and we need to get it submitted to the Spirit of God. We need to get it submitted to the Holy Spirit, amen? And get ourselves in a place where we say, all right, Holy Spirit, listen, I used to be an incredibly critical person because I had been so wounded. I was critical about the church. I was critical about pastors. I remember one time I walked into a church and here I am a pastor, super ironic. I walked into a church and the, the pastor came up and shook my hand and my thought, in my head I thought, this guy's a jerk. Look at him wearing his Nike shoes and his stupid blue shirt. He thinks he's better than me. This guy, he thinks he knows everything, doesn't he? Oh, he th I used to think like that about pastors all the time. And I know there's people in the room that think that about me. And I want you to know, I don't think I'm that cool. You should hang out with me. You'll realize that real quick. <laughs> the cynical, critical part of us often is a response to what happened in our lives. And often our whole families can be characterized. Sometimes there's generational things Maybe a word was said over your great-grandmother and she became very bitter and angry and so she treated your mother bitter and angry and now your mother is angry and so now she put that in your life and so generations and generations of something that was said bad upon to over, over someone's life four generations ago, you can break that generational burden in your life. It can be shattered. You think, well, there's something wrong with me. No, 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 let's go back and look. Let's go back and look how your dad talked. Why did my dad talk like that? Well, maybe your grandfather talked like that. Well, why do you, because your grandfather grew up around an abusive home. And you didn't know this, but he was an alcoholic and used to beat your great-grandfather and your, your grandfather didn't know how to deal with it. So he took it out on your father and down it goes from generation to generation. But I have good news for you today. God can break that burden in your life. He can shatter that generational repeat in your life. And once and for all, you can be free to start something new and have a new generation with a new trajectory, with newest de descendants and a new ancestry and start something new for your life today, man. Come on, amen. You know what amen means? It means, yes, let it be so. So come on, amen. Let it be so in your life. You can be free, and you can be the first generation that experiences freedom in your life. Look at this in Exodus chapter 20. I don't have it on here, but I'm going to read it to you. It says this, But I lavish unfailing love, listen, for a thousand generations on those who love me and obey my commands. 
I will lavish my love on you for a thousand generations, but you have to choose. I'm going to obey God. I'm going to yield this pain and trauma in my life, these words that I've received in my life. I'm going to acknowledge the reality of those in my life and say, okay, God, I want to reverse this curse in my life. Okay, so how do we break it off? Two things, very simple. They're not on the screen. I'm just going to tell them to you. How do we break this off in our life? First, we need to ask God to reveal to you those words that have been spoken over you that you don't realize. The story in, in, in uh, one of my favorite, probably my favorite story in the Bible is a story about a young man who was born as a twin in Genesis chapter 26. He was born, and the verse says that when this twin was born to Isaac's wife, the first boy came out, his name was, he came out and he was all red and red and hairy, and he looked like the clay of Edom. And so when he came out of the womb, his father looked at him and said, oh, his name is Esau, he's red. He labeled him based on his appearance. Then, behind this twin, as the first twin came out, he had his, uh, the, the second twin had his hand on the heel of Esau. And so, his father looked at him, and he said, his name will be Jacob, which means supplanter, which means con artist, which means trickster, which means you're a deceiver, you're a fake. So, he named his first son Esau on his appearance, and he named his second son Jacob based on his character. So before Jacob lived a single day, he was labeled by his father as a fraud. And he came out of the womb and he spent his entire life trying to prove his dad wrong. I'm not who you say I am, dad. And he tried his best to prove to his father that he was acceptable. And his Bible clearly says that Isaac loved Esau more than Jacob. So here's this odd relationship with his father. He spent his entire life trying to, to prove to his dad that I'm not who you say that I am. I'm not who you say that I am. I'm not who you say that I am. That teacher that said that bad thing over me or my mom who declared that thing over me or my grandfather or the devil who speaks lies to me. I'm gonna spend my whole life trying to prove to those people that I am not who you say that I am. And then we go through his entire life he ended up marrying two women. I'll tell you later about it. Two women. They were sisters, little odd, whatever. Then they had a bunch of children. He became super successful in business. And he had all of these, these amazing uh, family and all of these things going for him. Life was good. Life was awesome. It was great. And then finally, in the scripture, Jacob eventually had to face his brother Esau maybe 20, 30 years later after uh, Jacob had made some bad choices and really hurt his brother Esau. And so he's having to face his brother Esau. He, he was worried his brother was going to kill him because he did all these bad things to him, trying to prove to his dad that he was, wasn't who he said that he wasn't, but he turned out to be that person. And so he, the more harder he tried to, to prove to his dad that he wasn't that person, the more he proved that he was that person. And so finally he gets all the way back down to my favorite chapter in the whole Bible, Genesis chapter 32. And we see here in this story, Jacob wanted to spend some time with, with alone and figure some things out. And so he sent his family across the fort of Jabbok and he sent his family and his possessions across. And the Bible says that he went back into the camp and he was alone in the camp with God. 
And the Bible says that a man came down and wrestled with him. If you study this, it's actually called a theophany. And this theophany would actually, many uh, theologians and scholars believe that this man or this angel was a theophany, meaning it was actually Jesus coming down to earth in bodily form. And here he is wrestling with this man, this angel. Jacob is wrestling, whether he was physically wrestling, whether it was something that was going on in his mind, it doesn't really matter. The point is, Jacob is wrestling and wrestling and wrestling, and he's frustrated, and he's angry, and he's upset, and he's, he's ticked off, and he doesn't know, why am I so frustrated in my life? Why every time I see a success in my life, it, just the, the, the joy and satisfaction of that flees in just a moment when I realize that my dad isn't satisfied with all the hard work that I've done. It doesn't matter how much I try to serve my wife. I never ever feel like I could ever amount to what she wants me to be. I'm just never quite enough. I'm just never quite satisfied. And he wrestled and he wrestled and he wrestled and he wrestled until finally the sun began to rise up. And the angel, the man, this theophany said to Jacob, let me go. Daybreak is coming. And Jacob said, I am not going to let you go until you bless me. I want your blessing. I'm tired of searching everywhere else for everyone else's blessing. I want you to speak words over me. I want you to speak life to me. I'm tired of living my life through the lens of the words that have been spoken over me all these years. And this is where this moment where God revealed to Jacob a word, a reality that he had not understood until this point. It's in Genesis chapter 32 and it says this. The man asked Jacob, what is your name? How do you identify yourself, Jacob? Very simple question. Tell me who you are. Tell me who you are on the inside, Jacob. Tell me what's really going on on the inside of you. It says in the verse, amazing verse in the Amplified Classic Translation, Genesis 32 says this, and in shock of realization, Jacob whispered, my name is Jacob. I'm a supplanter. I'm a schemer. I'm a trickster. I've always been that. I've been trying to pretend to not be that. My dad labeled me that 60 years ago from the moment I was born, and I've been carrying it in my life. And this entire time, everything I've done, my marriage and my children and my business and my job, everything I've done has been through the frame and the lens of the words that my dad spoke over me when I was born, and that's all I am. I'm just a loser. I'm just a failure. I'm just a has-been. I'm just a nobody. I'm stupid. I can't learn anything. I can't go anywhere. I'll never amount to anything. I never got any affirmation from the dad that I needed or the mom that I needed. My whole life, I've spent everything in my power to prove those voices and those words wrong. And look what the angel is. Actually, you don't even know your own name. Actually, your name shall be called No More Jacob. But you're going to be called Israel. You're a contender with God. The Bible, the NIV says, you are an overcomer. You are a conqueror. You are a man of God. You have power and have contended a power with God and with men, and you've prevailed. And the angel started revealing to Jacob who he really was. No, 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 that's never who you were because what you didn't know 
What you don't know either is that before he was born, a prophetic word came over the womb that the younger would serve the older, that the younger would have a great call of God in his life, that he had a purpose and a plan before the foundations of time. The words that came over the womb of Jacob was, you're gonna be successful. You're gonna be prosperous. God's got a plan for you. You're gonna be a man of God. You're gonna do things well. I love you. I care for you. There's a purpose for you. I know you don't feel like there is, but there's a purpose for your life in this planet today. I love you and I believe in you and I care for you. I don't care about your mistakes. I want to give you redemption and forgiveness and love. See, this is a moment where Jacob realized, oh my gosh, my whole life, I've been trying to live out of the lens and the framework of the words that my mom said over me or my dad said over me, my brother said over me, trying to find their approval when in reality, God says, you don't need any of that. My words are the only words that matter over your life. Where do we get God's words from? This is the only thing that matters. The only words that matter for your soul is God's word. And when God looks at you, he says, oh, you're a mighty man." You're a woman of God. You're a wonderful mother. Oh, you're a great wife. Oh, come on, you're doing, you're a great fiance. Come on, oh, you're doing an awesome job. Come on, I know you might be older in years and your kids might be out of the house, but I want you to know you're a wonderful parent. Hey, I want you to know you're a success in the eyes of God. I want you to know that God's called you the head and not the tail. You are more than conquerors through Christ who gives me strength. Now listen, this isn't just psychological positive self-talk where you say, I'm great, I'm awesome. I'm attractive, I'm good, I'm wonderful. No, that's called worshiping you. The only way to have positive biblical self-talk is to say, I am more than a conqueror through Christ who gives me strength. No weapon formed against me is gonna prosper because that's what the God's word says. You gotta get the word of God in your heart and begin to declare the words of God over you because this is the only word that matters. You cannot self-talk yourself into recovery. You cannot tell yourself in the mirror every day and use the different uh, meditations and things like that that might, uh, talking about your inner self. The inner self in you is wretched. And the only one who saves you is Jesus, amen? amen? And by his power and by his strength, you are able to become all things that God's called you to become. You can do all things through Christ who gives you strength. Amen? amen. You can get everything that you need that pertains to life and godliness. God's word. God's word, not your mom's word, not your dad's word, not your auntie's word, not your brother's word, not your neighbor's word, not the devil's word for goodness sakes. God's word. What does God say over you? You are no longer a son and daughter of fear. You are a son and daughter of the most high God. What does God's word say? Don't be anxious for anything, but in all things, by prayer and supplication, present your request before the Lord, and then he will guard your heart and your mind with a peace that surpasses all understanding. What does God's word say? Don't go to your word. Don't go to your parents' word. Don't look for these words all over your life. Listen, your soul will never ever be able to recover if we don't have God's word running through our veins. The second one is this, and then we're going to go back into worship. You need to renounce and rebuke those words. It's one thing to have it acknowledged. Okay, 
And my dad's watching right now. So, Dad, you didn't say this. He always, did I say that to you, son? No, you didn't say this to me, Dad. You're good, brother. I'm just using it as an example. Okay? Good. Love you, Dad. Man, when you recognize that your dad one time was driving in the car, and I actually, I'll, I'll give you a personal example. How about that? For me, where I made a mistake. My son was driving me crazy yesterday. Just bonkers. I was totally sick. I was in bed all day yesterday, and I was just driving me nuts. And finally, I just stood up and said, you are the most irritating, which is ironic how huh, that I'm preaching on this, you are the most irritating kid I've ever met. Isn't that terrible? So people are going to start standing up and leaving the church. This pastor's a jerk. Well, I'm pretty human, so get over it. And I didn't deal with it. And then I went into my office and started studying. And the Holy Spirit was convicting me. I was like, you be quiet. Holy Spirit, I'm studying your word to preach tomorrow. You be quiet. And the Holy Spirit just said, Ryan, if you don't, if you don't rebuke that thought over him right now, it's going to settle into his soul, into his subconscious, into his mind, and you don't even realize the power of that word. It's going to bring death. And so I went upstairs, and I just, it's kind of funny. He just got out of the shower, so he's laying there naked. Remember, he loves being naked. <laughs> I won't show you what he does when he's naked. So we sat down next to him. I said, son, I said, son, I said these words over you. I said that you're, he goes, dad, I was being irritating. <laughs> and I said, yeah, thanks for acknowledging that, son, but I never should have said that over you. I was wrong. Will you please forgive me? I rebuke and denounce the thought that you are not good enough. I rebuke it in the name of Jesus right now. You are a wonderful young man. I love you, son. You're my favorite person on the planet. You can make me laugh more than anybody else. And I started speaking words of life over him because I was able to catch it in the moment. But maybe some of you don't have the opportunity to have your father come back to you and say those things. Guess what? You've been given all authority and all the power to take dominion over the words and the lies that have come over your life. God has given you that power and you that strength you are able to not only acknowledge it, but you are able to rebuke it, to take it captive with God's word. Say, Ryan, I don't have the privilege of having a father who's gonna do that, or I don't get to go back and talk to that teacher. You don't need to. You get to spend some time in your word that tomorrow morning, you get to spend time with Jesus, and guess what's gonna happen? He's gonna show you in his word, and you're gonna say, you know what? I denounce the fact that my father called me a failure. I rebuke it in the name of Jesus. The Bible says that his plans for me are great and good, not to harm me or to hurt me. His plans for me are good, and you start rebuking the words that have come over your life with God's word. Look what it says in Ephesians 6, 10. A final word, be strong in the Lord and his mighty power. Put on all God's armor so that you will be able to stand firm against all the strategies of the devil. Put on salvation as your helmet and take the sword of the spirit. So we have a supernatural sword of the spirit, sword of the spirit in the supernatural world. Imagine this is a massive Braveheart William Wallace sword. It's like eight feet tall. But in the natural, it's a book. It's a Bible. It says, the sword of the Spirit, which is the Word of God. And then Paul continues later and says this, for 
Though we live in the world, we do not wage war as the world does. The weapons we fight with are not the weapons of the world. The weapon he's talking about is a sword of the spirit. On the contrary, look at this. They have divine power to demolish strongholds. Look at another translation. Those things God gives to fight with destroy the strong places of the who? The devil. What? So you think that you need something other than God's word. The Bible right here says... You're wrong. Yes, you need community. Yes, you need partnership. Yes, you need to start a relationship with God and go on a journey with him. But I want you to know, God has given you everything you need in his word to devour and destroy these words that have come over your life. Right there it says it. Those things God gives to fight with, the sword of the spirit, destroy the strong places of the devil in your life. And so, how do we destroy the strong places? Well, you've got to read the Word. This just can't be a, a, like, you know, like, it's like driving on a journey and I'm just going to go on this journey and I'm not going to take a map and not going to take a GPS and then you get totally lost and you pull out the map real quick just to figure it out and just throw it out away again and buy a new one every time you go to a mini mart. Okay, let's get another map and figure out where we're going and then you throw it away again. And, well, let's get another map. No, if you just, I promise you, if you just start to spend time one minute a day, two minutes a day, try it. Read one verse and you see, it might not even make, in the first year, Belshazzar, king of Babylon, Daniel had a dream and visions passed through his mind as he was laying in bed. He wrote down the substance of his dream and you think, what the heck does that mean? Ryan, I did one verse and I just am confused. Listen, you don't know that the Bible is living and active. It cuts down to this between soul and spirit. You don't, you're not, honestly, we're not smart enough to understand the power of his word. What happens is, is that seed goes down and you might be reading about Belshazzar, whatever his name is. In reality, God is just strengthening your spirit. He's strengthening your soul so that when you look at yourself in the mirror tomorrow morning and all you see is all those things your dad said over you, you're able to look him right back in the mirror and say, oh no, Daniel said to Belshazzar that, you know, God's word says that I am a man of God, that I'm called of God. No, God's word says that no weapon formed against me is gonna prosper. God's word says that I'm supposed to be strong and courageous. Guess what? Those words are true. I'm going to be led by my spirit, not by my soul. And the way to do that is to have God's word in your heart that you might not sin against him. The reason we do this series, and you can come up, Alana. I'm not going to do that last part. The reason we do this series is because my prayer is your pastor. It's my prayer. I have no dog in the fight. I don't get paid, like, money every time someone gives their life to the Lord. <laughs> you know what I mean? Like, I have no investments, you know, investments in your spiritual growth. I, the only reason I care is because I care about you. I have no win here. I just want to see you successful. And the reason we're talking about all of these things in this Life Change series is because we care so much about you seeing the life change and the abundant life that God wants for you in 2020. No longer living in the past. No longer living with sin in our life. No longer in a place where we're discouraged and broken. Come on, be a part of a community and get into this environment and begin to let God speak to your heart. I promise you today that the life change God wants for you is beyond your mind. Everything you can ask or dream or imagine. No eye has seen and no ear has heard and no mind has conceived what God has prepared for those who love him but it is revealed to us by the spirit of God and he wants you to know that this year 
Come on, we want to take those thoughts and those words captive, amen? Why don't you stand to your feet? We're going to go back into worship here, but I just want to pray over you right now. Just for the last few minutes here, we're going to spend some time in worship. Come on, would you close your eyes for a moment? I'm going to sing a couple more songs, but... Holy Spirit, right now I pray that you would, during our time of worship, you would identify words that have been spoken over their lives that are lies and labels that have seeped into their soul, seeped into their mind without them even realizing it. Holy Spirit, I pray that you would come even during our time of worship, God, and that you would begin to cause the hard soil or the hard ground to begin to be kind of like moved around and the soil to be broken up and the fallow ground to be broken up, God, so that the hearts would be ready and available for your spirit to come and begin to minister to them. And I pray that even as they're worshiping God, they would identify it and they would just start renouncing it. They'd start saying the words that are on the screen and using the words even on the screen today. Just say, come on, I renounce that. That's not true. I'm a child of God. I'm a son of God. I'm called of God. I am who you say that I am, oh God. Come on, we're just going to sing this song again. Come on, can I encourage every hand lifted in this place right now, just with our eyes closed for a moment. Would you mind just putting your hands in the air for a moment if you feel comfortable here? Come on, Father, we just lift our hand and surrender to you right now and say, all right, Lord. I'm tired of doing things my way. (laughs) I want to start doing things your way. And as we worship here today, God, I pray that you'd come and you'd minister to their hearts. In Jesus' name, amen. Thank you for listening to our Love City Church podcast. Visit us online at www.lovecitychurch.ca. We pray that this message encourages you and strengthens you in your walk with Jesus.